everyone, and welcome to Clitastic Chronicles, a pleasure-positive podcast created by smile makers for people with clitorises. I'm Cecile, and today I'm speaking with Dr. Jess. Dr. Jess runs a sexual health clinic here in Singapore. A general practitioner by training, she has developed a keen interest in female and sexual health. Her practice offers management of female health issues and bridges the gap between regular GPs and gynecologists and sexual health specialists. Today, we are talking about contraceptions for folks with vulvas. We feel that when it comes to contraceptions, we are rarely informed on all our choices or how to navigate our options and find the best one for us. That's why we wanted to sit with Dr. Jess and expand our horizon on the topic. Let's get started. Hi, Dr. Jess. Thanks for being here with us today. And today we want to talk about contraception. So my first question is, for people with vulvas, can you walk us through the different contraception methods that are available? Because I feel we always tend to only think of the pill and condoms. So I really like to expand our understanding of that. Sure, Cecile. Look, with contraception, it's like walking into a candy shop and you've got so much to pick from. Okay. And, uh, of course, there is often no one perfect fit for a person. Now, um, just to run you through a list of things that uh, are available to uh, individuals with vulvas to pick from when it comes to contraception, of course, you're very right. There's the uh, most famous one is the pills. And uh, even with the pills, there are different types of pills. There's a myriad of brands. The one thing I really want women to know when they're taking up taking on board contraception is why are there so many brands and that's because it's just not a branding difference it's because each one of these pills contain a different amount of estrogen and they all contain about two different hormones and they also contain a different type of a second hormone called progesterone and a different amount of estrogen will have different side effects a different type of progesterone can have uh, different benefits and uh, different disadvantages. So, for example, we rely a lot on that second hormone. Like, what is in that second hormone in the pill that you're taking to determine whether, hey, is this hormone going to help me with uh, cutting back my acne as well while I'm taking the contraceptive pill? Or is this hormone great for my hair issues? Or this hormone uh, less likely to cause um, uh, problems with my sex drive or my vaginal dryness? Or is this hormone not going to help, you know, cause me to have a lot of weight gain? Or is this hormone going to cause less disturbance to my moods? So it is important to just understand how a hormone or a birth control pill is picked for you and why one might suit you and another won't. So that's, that's pills in general. Then we've got uh, other options. So some people can't take pills, you know. It's a definite no-no for them. So it doesn't mean if you can't take pills, it's the end of your contraception uh, options. But there's many that are left open for you. So you've got things like injections. So you might go for injections that gets given to you in your arm, just like any regular vaccine. And those injections are sort of taken once every three months. Probably one of the most cheapest forms of contraception available right now. Okay. So um, is it also estrogen and progesterone? No. So the so besides the pills, which are what we call combined oral contraceptive pills, some people. C-O-C-P, which is like a little acronym for combined oral uh, contraceptive pills. And that why combined is because it's got the two hormones in it. Now, if you don't go for the pill versions, which are the combined pills, then you're left with 
other options that all contain only a single hormone. So they contain only the progesterone, zero estrogen in it. So this might be great. These options might be great for women who are breastfeeding. Because estrogen, if you take estrogen, it actually cuts back the amount of breast milk that you produce. Okay. Uh, it might be great for women who've got migraines, especially the ones with that uh, the auras when you get the visual warning, you know, just before your migraines set in. Some people get sparkling vision, mm. zigzags across their vision. So those sort of women cannot take estrogen because it truly increases their stroke risk. Not having estrogen in your contraception is also wonderful for women with a history of breast cancers because having the estrogen on board is a big no-no for them. So they have to then take the other ones, Mm. which have no estrogen, and of which one of the examples of a progesterone-only contraception is the injections, which we call the depot injections, the ones that you take once a day. And so the pill, it cancels periods. Is that also the case of injections? The pills actually uh, do not uh, cancel uh, periods. So when you take the pills, you might notice that there is usually, you know, when we think about pills, we think about uh, having a period every once every four weeks. Yeah. And in the pills, you might have pills that only accommodate for three weeks. Then there's no fourth week of pills. So it's an absent week. So it's a, pick, it's a week that you take a break from the pills and then you will have a period in that week. And mind you, these periods are not natural periods. They're all sort of fake periods, all controlled by the pills. Yeah. So if you do the pills such that you take the three weeks worth of pills, you take a break, you have your period then, then the moment the one week break is over, you come back on the next packet of the pills. So you do have a period every month. Yeah. But they're not free periods. Yes, they're not, they're, not, they're not your natural periods. They're all controlled by the pills. However, you can take pills in such a way where you skip the break entirely. Then you go back to back with your pills. It's quite safe to do that with our modern pills because the amount of hormones in there are really not quite a lot compared to the ones that were first designed uh, 60 years ago when pills first came out. So now you can do pills back to back and that way you avoid periods. You avoid the unnecessary uh, Bleeding, the breakthrough bleeding, you stop having the pills. So in that manner, you can skip a period. However, when you are, and the whole reason why they did this pills this way and have that break, so people might ask, why do they have that break? Is it necessary for us to have the break? Why make pills like that then? And that's because by nature of how the pills were designed, by history of how the pills were designed, it was designed uh, back then when um, social cultural norms and social cultural pressures were immense. So they didn't want to, you know, displease the Pope, displease the church, and they wanted this to be something that women could use without straying far and going, you know, off-tangent with uh, how periods naturally work. You're supposed to get your periods once every month, so let's create something that mimics that. So that's why you had that break in there. Uh, but back then, it might be dangerous to do the break, uh, to not do the breaks, yeah. because the pills weren't, you know, weren't tweaked like they have been now. Over, over these six decades, we have tweaked pills in such a way we've managed to drop the level of hormones down uh, to such a nice low level that now it's safe to do these pills every day without taking a break. And so with the injection, how does that work? So the injections, you've got no estrogen. You kind of have no break. So you are taking it once every three months, right? So what happens when you have only a single hormone uh, in your contraception uh, device that you're using, whether it's the injection or one of the other devices, which I'll talk about in a short while, um, is that your body stops 
making a lining. So your uterus always has this lining, like a thick lining yeah. that is waiting to shed and come out as period blood flow. But what happens when you take these, uh, this, this uh, progesterone, let's say, for example, through an injection, mm-hmm. then your body just doesn't make the lining. So my thing to women, I tell them, hey, look, if there is no lining made, what are you waiting to shed? There is nothing to be shed. And therefore, your periods kind of stop. But you're only relying on one hormone in your body. And there could be moments where this hormone levels just dips a little and then your body just receives this, this unusual signal to, oh, the levels dipped a little, so I'm going to shed a little bit of whatever tiny lining is left and you might get a little bit of spotting here and there. Okay. So there can be a little bit of that erratic, what we call nuisance bleeding, in the first six months when you are on devices that contain only one hormone in them. So there are other devices besides the injections. So we've got implants that go into your arm and they stay there for about three years and they slowly release uh, the progesterone hormones. Then you've got IUDs, which are intrauterine devices because they live within the uterus. And they're popped in there through a tiny, tiny procedure, which can be done literally at the bedside with you completely conscious. And uh, they they just live in there, your uterus, for about five years. And they release these hormones very slowly across the five years. And that way, conferring you contraception. There's one other type of contraception that doesn't involve any hormones. So no combined hormones, no single hormones. It's just, it's very primitive. It relies on copper. So these are the copper IUDs. And these are the devices that have got a copper coil around a little plastic T-shaped device. And that is put into your uterus. And the copper simply repels sperms. That's all it does. So it doesn't affect your hormones. It doesn't affect the way you release an egg. It just repels sperms. Okay. So, you know, in terms of how good it is to prevent pregnancy, well, they're not as good as hormonal devices, but they're darn good. Okay. They're still pretty darn good. So they, they're probably about, cliche numbers here I'm going to throw at you, about 90, 99.2, 99.6% effective. So, you know, you're talking about 99% effectiveness yeah. here. So they're pretty darn good stuff. Okay. But they cause heavy bleeding and they can also cause painful periods. So you might see a little bit more of that happening. So you, if you already start with heavy periods and you get um, cramping quite a lot, don't go for the copper devices. Okay. But if you have uh, menstrual pain, you can go for the other IUD? Yes. Yeah. Because it's wonderful, right? It, it, it's got single hormone in it, and it will eventually stop your periods. So no more okay. periods. Hallelujah. A lot of people love that. Okay. So that's, that's wonderful for that. A lot of athletes like it, a lot of very active women like it, a lot of women with uh, period pains, heavy periods. In fact, it's used as a treatment for heavy menstrual bleeding. Okay. Are there other non-hormonal uh, contraceptions besides the condom for the, the penis? Yes, so there's condoms for women as well. So I find that they are a little bit cumbersome. Because uh, you've got to insert it straight right up into your vagina, cap your cervix, and then the sheath falls down ah. across your, your vagina. So it's like creating an internal veil okay. in, in your vagina. So they can, they can be a little bit cumbersome. And women might find that sensations uh, are not as great uh, when it comes to um, the female condoms. 
and the female condoms haven't quite evolved like the male condoms. You know, you get textured male condoms, you get flavored male condoms. So the texturing allows you to preserve uh, more sensation during sex. But the female condoms don't quite haven't quite evolved in yeah. that manner yet. Okay. Uh, my last question on contraception would be: What are the questions that we should actually ask ourselves and our gynecologists? before choosing our contraception? Very, very good question there because you, we need to self-analyze uh, uh, what are most important for us. But, but the only way to be able to do that when it comes to choosing a contraception is to understand what are the side effects yeah. uh, that we can see from contraception. Or what are the benefits I can milk from a contraception? So common side effects that you might experience with contraception are things like um, nausea, bloatedness, Sometimes changes in the skin, so you might get that initial acne, or there could be some mood disturbances or weight gain. So it, it is then uh, extremely important to highlight what is important for you. So for example, if, if you're a woman who's got skin issues, you've got pigmentation issues already, or you've got acne that tends to flare up every now and again, or you're suffering from chronic acne, then when you when you uh, embark on trying to get a contraception for yourself, the number one priority you need to uh, feature to your doctors is, look, I've got a history of acne. When you do pick something for me, please prioritize that, you know, you like a pill that doesn't um, mm. cause your acne to flare up so much. Or in fact, is there a pill that helps improve my acne? If you have, and we talk about moods now, so, you know, we don't really know how contraception pills actually uh, affect mood or contraception actually affects mood. We know it can swing either, either ways. It's got two ends of the pole. In some people, uh, contraceptive pills, for example, uplifts their mood. And other people think these contraceptions really dampen their mood and make them feel very depressed or very volatile. Sometimes they're angry. Uh, sometimes they, they cry for no good reason. We still don't have a good understanding as to why there are such shifts, you know, in different groups of people, they react very differently. Funnily enough, we use pills to manage premenstrual syndrome, which is PMS. Yeah. And a lot of women recognize what PMS is. A lot of us have been through it. You know, we get very moody, we get very upset just before the periods kick in. So some women have a very severe form of this. And pills are used to manage this. Sometimes IUDs are also used uh, to manage this. So in terms of moods, it's, uh, it's a good thing to then highlight it and go, hey, I've got mood issues in the background. For example, I have a history of depression. Mm. And you might say, can I just, when you pick a pill for me, could it be something that doesn't throw that off too much? And studies have shown that you know, it actually is dependent, how the pills react to you is dependent on personality. So, are you an anxious sort? Are you a warrior? Because it tends to trigger a little bit of depressive moods okay. in these individuals. So, it's to process these things and ask yourself, hey, what am I like personality-wise? What am I like mood-wise? You know, how will this affect me? Am I only moody when it comes to certain parts of my cycle? Or am I always this way? So, those are the kind of things you might want to think about before you get into a consult uh, for uh, contraception. I think there's so much information available on the internet. A lot yeah. of women come in already knowing what pills can do to you, what contraception can do to you. 
So it makes your consult very valuable if you okay. come in already knowing what you want to prioritize. Okay. Another thing with contraception is that we know contraception can have some impact on sexual function. Yeah. So for example, contraception can cause more vaginal dryness or contraception can cause an increased likelihood of things like uh, infections or irritation around the vagina. And sometimes contraception can dip your sex drive. Some women feel that quite profoundly. Other women have no issues with it. They don't see a difference. And that then helps you and your doctor come up with a plan as to which contraception to pick because every one of them will have a different impact on sex drive. So what I hear from you is that even if we have, a, like we try your first method, we should be open to like switching once we see the side effects for us. Exactly. It's, it's very trial and error. So you have to be open that way as you walk into a consult for contraception because the, the one that you initially pick in agreement with your doctor just might not be the right one for you. But you have to be open to the idea and go, okay, didn't work for me. Let's move on and try something rather than going, ah, this contraception didn't work and contraception doesn't work for me altogether. So you have to be open to that uh, and, and, and be willing to do that trial until you find the one that works for you because you will find the one that works for you. But bearing in mind, we've only had 60 years with contraception. We've got a long way more to go in terms of perfecting contraception. There isn't a contraception available that has zero side effects. Something's got to give with yeah. each one of them, but it's about what suits you best without uh, causing too many ill effects in you. So you know, be willing to try, and that's what I tell most of my patients: be willing to try, and always take out one box. So don't get too eager and take out like you know so many boxes when you come to a clinic and you get pills, for example. Try one first, see how you go on it. If that suits you, then fine, do your tops. If it doesn't suit you, keep your mind open. And try other options. Awesome. Thanks so much, Dr. Jess. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Clitastic Chronicles and found snippets of wisdom that you can apply to your own sexual health. If you like this podcast, share it around with your friends and give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're getting your podcast from. This will help us make it easier to find. For more sex positivity, head to our website at smilemakerscollection.com. See you there.